Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, February 28, 2017. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 1, and we are at page 10, Paragraph 3. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Laura A., for the 12 Traditions, uh, Kimberly L., and reading the text, Harlan G. and Rachel W. The reference numbers for Monday, February 27th are for the 7 a.m. Eastern meeting, 9662, and for the 10 a.m. Eastern meeting, 9663. That's 9662 and 9663. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Laura A. to read the 12 steps. Hi, hi this is Laura A., a recovering um, compulsive eater from New Hampshire. 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these key defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me be ser- do service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Laura A. I will now ask Kimberly L. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Kimberly L., recovering compulsive overeater in Georgia. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one but one ultimate authority, 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book, chapter one, on page 10, paragraph three. I will ask Carlin G to begin reading. Thank you, Katie. This is Harlan G in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I also want to thank the rest of Team Tuesday. Can I be heard okay? Very well, thank you. Okay, thanks. I had always believed in a power greater than myself I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. For that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation, but that was as far as I had gone. With ministers and the world's religions, I parted right there. 
when they talked of a God personal to me who was love, superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. To Christ, I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him, his moral teaching most excellent. For myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether on balance the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible. The brotherhood of man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he certainly seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. Well, we see Bill Wilson, and Bill is in his kitchen, and he's talking to Ebby Thatcher. And Ebby is presenting to him a God-based religious solution to his problem of alcoholism, his being Ebby's. And Bill is pondering this thing, and his mind is going back. His mind is going back to his childhood. And he's going back to his attendance at church with Grandpa Griffith. And he sees that in the church of his childhood, as I could see parallel in, in the religious experience I had, that there was definitely a God. I could accept that there was a God, a God who created the universe, a God who split the Red Sea, a God who freed us from Egypt, the burning bush, etc., etc. But it says here, when they talked of a God personal to me who was su- loved superhuman strength and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. If there was this personal God to me, why was I fat? If there was this personal God to me, why was I suffering the pain of obesity? Why was I finding it impossible to stop eating once I started and to keep stopped once I had stopped? And he looks around, and in the final paragraph that we read this morning, this is a timeless paragraph for, for time and memoriam when he looks at the wars and the chicanery, which is mischief, and the religious dispute had facilitated. It made him sick we could say the same things today. But we're, what we're going to see in the next paragraph tomorrow and the next day, we're going to see indisputable evidence of the power, perfection, and personal intervention of God. Now, when I say perfection, do I have an explanation why some babies die and some don't? No. Do I have an explanation as to why some people have this kind of life and other people have that kind of life? No, I don't. There's warehouses of information that my human mortal brain is incapable of comprehending. What we're going to see is that when we do the steps and we bring this power greater than ourselves into our lives through action, that the desire to drink in Ebby is simply gone. That Ebby wasn't fighting liquor, and this became indisputable. But there is injustice in in our minds, and we don't know the final tally, but what we have is a God and that it's not me. There's two things I need to know about God. 
there is one and it's not me. And there's something I need to know about these steps. They work. They work when nothing else will. So I have to divorce myself from all these injustices and divorce myself from all these prejudices and do the work necessary to bring this power into my life. And I have had 18 plus years of freedom from food and I have been free of the food happily. And that is only because of these steps and a power greater than myself. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Okay, so we're on uh, the bottom of page 10. We will focus our comments on the three paragraphs uh, with, with ministers and the world's religions and ending with Boss Universal, and he certainly had me. Who would like to share? This is Larry. Melissa R. Melissa R. Okay, Melissa, Melissa, Larry, Charles. Nessa R. Kim G. Lauren N. Lauren N. Kathy C. Kathy C. Okay, let's go with those. I have Larry K. Tina S. Okay, Tina S. Just way to slip in there. Okay, Larry K. Nessa R. Melissa C. I think it was. Um, Charles H, Vasa, O, Kim G, Lauren N, Kathy C, and Tina F. Larry K, you're up. Okay, Larry, please press star one to unmute. Hi, Katie. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for your service, Katie. Larry K, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. You know, I, I, I like what Harlan had to say about that because I had a similar experience. See, I couldn't um, square in my mind this notion of a higher power. What, what kind of a higher power would let a little boy um, be abused and neglected? Now, I, I don't want to sound melodramatic and say that I had the worst upbringing ever. That, that would not be true by any means. But I know what my experience was. Was there love? Certainly. Was there, sure. Was there a roof over my head? Absolutely. Was there opportunity? Was there food to eat, to survive? Absolutely. Was there education? Certainly. There was lots of good things. But I cannot deny that I was abused as a child, that I was neglected, um, and it impacted me greatly. And what kind of a God or a higher power would allow that to happen? And I, so, so consequently, you know, if, if I couldn't be protected and I would hear this message of a God, you know, that could protect us and so forth and a God that you could turn to and have a personal relationship and it's always listening and so forth, it didn't, I couldn't square it, couldn't square it in my mind. See, but what I have come to realize today through, you know, through this program primarily through this practical program of action, is that, yes, bad things happen to people. I can't understand why they happen to people, but it doesn't, for me, mean that there is no higher power. It just means that I may not understand exactly how the world works, why things happen. But what I've learned today is that there can be something called transcendence. 
there's something called transcendence. So it wasn't just that I came in fat, miserable, and through these steps, the obsession was lifted. That's really the least of it. That certainly happened. But there's a transcendence once I had access to this power. When you don't have access to this power, whatever it is for you, how would you know that you don't have access to it? You can only know truly, in my mind, that you have access to this power or you, if you didn't have access to this power once you gain access. Now I know that I did not have access to this power, didn't understand it. And these steps brought me to a place of alignment with my higher power so that the power flows through me. That's what these steps do. They, they, they provide transcendence and reduction of ego, correction of ego. And that's what it does for me every day. And I thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. And Nessa R., you're up. If you could press star one to unmute, followed by Melissa C. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. It's Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. I've heard it said repeatedly on this line, and I guess other meetings, that um, prayer without action is fantasy. And that's exactly where I lived. You know, and this is why I thought, you know, God wouldn't help me with my food because he wasn't responding to my prayer of, you know, God make me thin while I was stuffing my face with cheesecake. Um, you know, I, I have to make an effort. And, you know, I, I was taught that, you know, for a long time without really paying attention, you know, with an analogy, an analogy of a farmer in a field. You know, if a farmer has a field and he plows, and he sows, and he takes care of his, his, his crops and his seedlings, etc. the rain will come um, and feed those crops, and he's going to have a bountiful crop. But if the farmer doesn't do anything to the fields, uh, when the rain comes, all he has is a pile of mud. Um, and the rain, I guess, here being, being analogous to God's response, to God's blessings. So God's blessings come, but if I have no action to catch those blessings, to catch that rain, I end up with a pile of mud. And in my case, it was just a pile of cheesecake and a big fat body um, because I wasn't taking any action. Um, you know, fast forward many, many, many decades, many, many decades, more than I, I, I would really care to, to think about. Um, and I learned, you know, first you take action, then you pray. Um, this is why prayer is step 11 and not step two. Uh, I take my action, and that action means, you know, I need to put down the cheesecake, and I need to work these steps to get access to that higher power from which I had been blocked all those years by the cheesecake and by my self-will. You know, the, the second part of that, you know, prayer without action is fantasy is action without prayer is self-will. And that's where I lived. I was either hoping that God would do it for me without me having to do anything, or I would say, okay, God, you're not doing it for me, so move out of the way, and I'm going to take control over it. And, of course, that didn't work either. There's got to be um, both in the equation. However, they got to be in the right order. And the right order is... Um, entire abstinence, work the steps, and then, um, and then prayer. 
you know, because having made, having taken my action, then God's blessings can take hold. And that has indeed, has indeed been the case for me. You know, I live now happy, joyous, and free, no longer a slave to the food, um, but, you know, doing what God expects from me, which is uh, serve him and help others. Um, and, you know, it's a much better life than the life I was living before. Uh, it's a happy life, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Charles H. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, I'm so grateful that we get the opportunity to really um, get a peek into what Bill was thinking here. You know, his, his like, um, thought process as he struggled to you know, take on this notion of a higher power, this God thing, and that it wasn't like, oh, yeah, he came to him, he told him of God, and, yeah, he got it. Um, Because, you know, I had that same kind of struggle, and I had such evidence in my mind that um, either God truly didn't exist or um, if there was a God, he was not running things. It was the devil or... You know, far worse, if there was a God, um, he hated me. You know, like that's how I kind of saw it. And um, and then I went to, well, guess what, God, I hate you back, you know. And so it was really hard for me to get this um, idea of a God, of this superhuman strength, love, and protection, because I didn't feel like I had a lot of experience in being loved, you know, being <laughs> superhumanly protected. Um, and and that, you know, was that completely true? No, but that was my perception because um, I had a whole list of things that went really wrong for me and truly wrong. I, I suffered terrible losses, you know. We lost a newborn child. Um, and and I prayed like a crazy lady at that time, and I believed that um, that God was supposed to be fair. Life was supposed to be fair. You were supposed to get your fair share, almost like like a mom, you know, who splits things up equally amongst her kids, and everything is supposed to be fair. And um, and that was my notion. And if that's not what was delivered, then God didn't exist, or worse yet, if I got the smallest piece, then God hated me. And um, and the problem was, is um, I wasn't getting any relief. Like, I could cling to that notion of God is supposed to be fair and life is supposed to be fair, but meanwhile, I was really unhappy, and I was dying, and and I just needed to open my mind up a little bit to say, you know what, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not supposed to be fair. Um, maybe I'm just supposed to find some peace with whatever peace or sliver it seemed like I got. And once I kind of opened myself up to that, like have a, just a spirit of uh, acceptance for what I got, um, I realized that I had quite a lot, and I could accept a God of superhuman strength, love, and protection. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. Okay, Charles H., you're up, followed by Vasa O. 
Thank you very much for your service. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I could identify with Bill, and being a leader of the church, there's some people I want to ring their neck in the church because, um, you know, I, I like when Bill says to Christ, I can see the certainty of a great man, not not closely followed by those who claim him. There's a lot of chicaneries going on. There's a lot of rich pastors going on in the church. There's a lot of people saying hallelujah um, and passing the collection plate like 50 times. There's a lot of people trying to get your money. Um, there's a lot of people trying to get you to, 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 to buy in. But if, if I could um, if I could control this thing myself, I wouldn't even do the God idea. I wouldn't even, because I like what page uh, 46 says. Yes, we of agnostic temperance have had these thoughts and experiences. Let us make haste to reassure you. We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and even express a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commence to get results. That means, like, um, you ever, I don't know if any of y'all ever got into an arm wrestle and then, like, like they just twisted your arm back so hard that you had to, you had to cry uncle. That's what this disease did to me. So all I got to do is have a willingness to believe. I don't have to believe your religion. I don't have to believe your concept of, of God. I don't even have to say God. I can say a group of donuts, group of dummies, a gang of whatever, whatever, a gang of dope. It don't matter as long as they ain't human. And, and it can do something for me spiritually because there is a lot of wrongs going on. In the, I don't know God's well, I I don't understand God, but I stand under God the God of, of, of my beliefs. But you don't have to do that. When I work, I, I work with people that that don't have my faith, and we don't talk about it because it's a simple religious idea. Yeah, people die. People going to die. We're all going to die. But are we all going to live? That's the thing. So, yeah, a lot of people claim to follow Christ or God, and, and you know, they don't follow him too closely. I don't. I know I suffer every single day. Um, if I if 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 something greater than myself wake me up, I already 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 I'm already in the red. So that's why I need this program of action. But I need a simple religious idea, and I need to be completely defeated, and I need to surrender, submit, and be in order with with my higher power's will, and 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 life will be good for me. I could bear with the with the trials and the chicaneries that's going to happen. The low spot that's going to happen, we'll read about that going forward. With that, I pass. Thank you, Charles. Okay, next is Vasa O, followed by Kim G. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa. Thank you for your service. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader calling from Florida. And I struggle with the thought uh, of God. Uh, when I came in program, I like the idea better when I heard a higher power. Uh, I grew up in a communist country for 15 years, and uh, and I grew up in a very religious home, which my father was a priest. A lot, a lot of mixed feelings. And um, there was a lot of control growing up in my own home, and there was a lot of abuse. So I couldn't understand why is this happening, God? This person is reading the Bible, and he's preaching this and preaching that. What is it going on? You know, and I remember, remember praying to God, saying, God, you know, on my knees, 
God, why can't you just come down and put an order in this family, you know? I, I prayed a lot, you know, and I remember at times I was saying, I can't stand this. Why don't you just take me? I cannot tolerate this this place that I am in, you know? Of course, I, I couldn't take my life, you know? And, but I remember praying, just take me. There's just too much pain, too much suffering in this home. And, uh, yeah, I did turn to the food, but I never blamed my parents for, for the food addiction. I didn't even blame God, you know. I just, I didn't know what I ate, you know, but it sure made me feel better when I ate, you know. Um, I When I came to this program, I'm so grateful that, Lord, the God of my understanding led me without even me knowing that God led me in the 12 steps. Now looking back, I say, yeah, my higher power led me in the 12 steps, but I didn't understand till later, you know, how he led me. And I'm so grateful I was connected with this um, person that had 12-stepped me, and she told me, she said, put everything aside, all the beliefs, Obviously, it hasn't worked for you all this time, you know, by me trying to put the food down. And yeah, I did not have a personal relationship with God. I was, I grew up with fearful. Well, I projected the fears, the anxieties onto God from what I was living at home. And I did hear at times, you know, God is with like a, a punishing fearful God. And who would want that kind of God in their life? So I wanted to escape, run away from that kind of a God. But it was different kind of, uh, I had a better understanding when I came to program. And she said, you can choose your own higher power or your own God. And, but not, you know, she said, I lend you mine. You know, mine is loving God, you know. So it, I still had a, you know, I still had a doubt, you know. But it was like a gradual process. But I was so desperate and I was so willing to find that higher power to surrender because I couldn't continue going with the food the way I was going. I was just going to die. So, uh, again, for me, it was to surrender to God and to surrender with the, into the 12 steps and work them the way they laid out. I had no clue about any of this stuff. It was something new for me that I, you know, that God put me in my life, and I'm so grateful. And then to pass it on to others, what I've been so given so generously, like everyone else here in in our programs. So my time is up. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Kim G, you're up, followed by Lauren N. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm going to try to fit two concepts in in three minutes. You know, this idea of a personal God, um, that was big for me. You know, I'm someone that grew up with 12 years of religious school, so there was no problem with me believing in a God. The problem was how was what my belief was. You know, I believed God's job was world hunger. He didn't have time for Kim's hunger. You know, I believed that God was like Santa Claus, and I spent a lot of time hiding from him because I didn't want coal in my stocking. And because of that, I ignored the chapter, We Agnostics. And that really hindered me because I had to look at what was my concept of a higher power doing for me. 
You know, the big thing about we agnostics is they're not trying to teach us to believe in God. They're trying to teach us, do we need a power? What are our prejudices? And that's what I need to look at. What were my prejudices? And that's why I want to go to the, sentence, to the paragraph at top, top 11, because here I am in Overeaters Anonymous, five years, 17 years in OA, five years in a relapse. I had to look at what my prejudices about OA was. So as I read that paragraph on the top of 11, I read it as, to Overeaters Anonymous, I conceded the certainty of a great program but not too closely followed by those who are in the room. The moral teachings of the 12 steps, most excellent. But for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult, and the rest I disregarded. Because I have to tell you, the cornerstone of my program for, for decades was take what you want and leave the rest. And that was killing me. Did I follow the directions of the 12 steps? You know, the two analogies I use is, is my program was basically like the game Twister from the 70s. Right hand red, left hand blue. I would just do whatever I felt was the least amount of work I could possibly do. And the other thing is like when I buy a bookshelf from Ikea, I have these set of directions. I don't want to look at them. Maybe I'll look at the pictures. I definitely won't look at the writing. And I'll try to put the, put the bookshelf to the best of my ability together without directions. I have all these extra screws and, and parts and figure, oh, they, they just gave me too many. And then I get the bookshelf together and I put one book on it and it falls apart and I wonder what the heck happened. You know, I have to look at what, would I, what did I do? What, was, what were my results when I was working over years anonymous according to what Kim felt like doing? Well, let me tell you, that failed me utterly. So I had to, when I started to realize I could do it differently, I, I could have a new experience with this work, I began to believe that if I surrendered to the exact, precise, specific directions in this book, maybe I could have a, maybe I could have a different experience. And let me tell you, for me personally, the number one prejudice I had to confront was that I can do the steps while still eating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Lauren M., you're up, followed by Kathy C. Hi, this is Lauren M. from New York. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say that I, my concept of God before, I was so mad at God. How could God, how could there be a God when... He took my mother when I was so young, and he left me with an abusive father, and there just couldn't be a God. I mean, I was told to go pray that she would live, that she would be alive, that she would make it out of the hospital, and it didn't work. And all the prayers that I had made before then, it didn't work. And I just could not believe that there was a God out there. And, um, yeah, I believed up until then, or I guess since then, I've believed that there's something out there. There's something that makes the trees bloom in the spring, and there's something that makes the flowers smell so good, and, and the blue sky and the sun. And, the, and I knew that there was something there, but I just didn't believe that there was anything that cared about me. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for allowing me to forgive my God. 
and understand that that I'm not it, and I can't change myself, that he, she, it needs to do it for me. And today, I thank my higher power regularly for allowing me to find what's in this room and these rooms and in this book and what Bill found and what all of you have found. This is the way to my freedom, and I am so blessed to have it in my life today. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, uh, Lauren M. Kathy C., you're up, followed by Tina S., and then we'll open it up for more people. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy C. I am a recovered compulsive eater from Montreal, Canada. Um, I, too, had um, come to OA and had no connection with a, with a God. Um, I was very much in self because... Um, I didn't think God or or any higher power would help me with my eating. Um, all I wanted was to just lose weight and get skinny. And I thought, well, God will not help me with that. He has much more important things on his agenda than, you know, just to help me lose weight. But I, I would pray to him like I would pray for Santa Claus. Um, and I had to come to OA to learn that what I had was a spiritual malady, and that was um, a lack of power. Um, that, was my, that was my problem here. Like it tells us on page 45, lack of power, that was our dilemma. And we have to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. So here I learned that I'm not looking um, God to do things for me. Um, it's actually a reliance on a power greater than any human power, any diet. Um, I really had to change that, change that perspective of why I'm, why I need help and what my problem is, and not focus on the food, the diet, my body image. Uh, you know, that's still self. That's still self-will. I had to turn my life over to a higher power, one that would give me, you know, all the, all the virtues that, you know, the, that the promises show us. Um, I had to live a life based on God's will. I had to turn my life, my will, meaning my actions and my thinking, in every aspect of my life, when it, was, it, it comes to any decisions at work, at home, my own personal goals, and that's the difference. Where am I relying? Who am I relying on here? What am I relying on? What's, what's my, where's my reliance? You know, where's my go-to? Am I relying on my own self-will again, or am I with God this morning and all day, every day? And when my defects come up, I realize I'm in self again. I'm getting further away from that connection. And that is where I know. Oh, oh here I go again. And, and that's like very slope, you know, the cracks that come in my program. I need to go, I need to pause, and I need to connect again, to rely on a higher power. You know, it is there. My higher power is there. It never turns turns on me. I turn on it. You know, I, t- I turn away from my higher power. And this is why I'm in program. And Bill is telling us this because he wants us to to open up our minds a little bit and to set aside our, to set, to 
aside our, 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 our you know, judgments that we have, our prejudgments, our old, our old way of thinking. And this is the beauty of this program. It does open up our minds and our hearts to a program where we could live by and we could rely on. So we don't have to self-destruct. We don't have to feel, you know, alone, afraid, compulsive. Time. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a good day. Thank you. Um, and Tina S., you're up. Thanks, Katie, uh, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. You know, and I say I say this all the time, but every time I dial in and we start this meeting, I know I'm in the right place. And I just related to everybody who shared. And, you know, I, too, um, believed that there was a God, something bigger than me out there, you know, with, all, with the sun shining, the sun setting, and, you know, all the nature. But, you know, when it talks, when they talk of a God personal to me who is love, superhuman strength, and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut. You know, and that was me for a very, very long time. You know, I, I like what was shared, and I'll just repeat it. You know, I thought God was Santa Claus, you know, and so therefore when I didn't get what I prayed for, I thought there was something wrong with me. And, um, you know, to, today that can be just so detrimental to myself to be in self-pity and all oh, poor, poor, poor me. Look at me. I didn't get this or I didn't get that. And, um, you know, I, uh, and, you know, and I, and I certainly, you know, I've heard the stories about Christ. You know, I was raised Catholic. Now, I certainly am not practicing Catholic today, but, you know, I, I certainly believe in a God. And, um, and if I can cultivate a relationship with a power greater than myself, I am on the road. I am on this journey, you know, um, if I can continue to do that. And I try to do that today, but I'm not perfect by any means, you know, and so I've got shit that goes on. And so that's why I'm so grateful so grateful for the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous because now I have a solution for what goes on. And I think originally that was the case. You know, I had, you know, I growing up with my mother was in and out of mental institutions all my life. So I, you know, I thought, Oh God, I don't have a mother. And I was so close to my dad and, you know, just all this stuff where I couldn't deal with life on life's terms. And I had no skills because it didn't look like anybody around me could either. You know, So, you know, today, today I do have a solution. And, and one day at a time when I get up and I know that I'm, I'm totally powerless, you know, and I ask God to keep me sober, abstinent, and sane on a daily basis. And when I do, he does. And then I, then I get to work. Then I get to work. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina S. Okay, we'll now open it up. And if you weren't here for the first reading, we're um, – uh, focusing our comments on the last three, um, on the last paragraph on page 10 with ministers and ending with, and he certainly had me. Um, Roz R. Roz R. Janice Okay, that's going to be, that's going to be enough. Um, Roz R. R. Okay, I heard Roz R. Sarah W. Noel R, was that it? And one more. I heard a gentleman. Sam? I heard a gentleman. Candice B? Janice, okay, Sam? Did you hear? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I did hear you, Janice. Okay, it was Suji. I did hear you, but I'm, I'm afraid, you know, we don't have that much time. We only have um, about 12 minutes. So um, 
And if you could please not be on speakerphone when you're sharing, because it sounds very muted from the rest of us listening and the recording. Um, okay, Roz R, you're up, followed by Sarah W. Please press star one to unmute. I'm, am I unmuted now? Roz R, yes. Okay, thank you. Um, mm -hmm. My name's Roz R, and I'm from Florida, and I'm very grateful to be recovered and working this fantastic program. Um, <clears throat> you know, as, as this was being read, um, a lot of things that have helped me in the past are all those little one-liners and little stories that I've heard, you know, people share, but um, I wanted to just start my share with the fact that, um, you know, I heard someone say the other day at a meeting I was on uh, listening to that, uh, you know, I could park my Chevy car in a garage for 20 years and it wouldn't turn into Cadillac. The same thing goes with program. I could park my butt in the OA rooms for 20 years and I wouldn't be sober. And that really hit me because that is what I did. I mean, I've been in the rooms 35 years and yeah, I was thin and yeah, you know, I thought I was abstinent or sober, but I didn't have recovery. And it wasn't until I had a God personal to myself and could believe that God could do for me what I couldn't do for myself. Um, it, it has taken me a long time. I've been very defiant and, and I could relate to what, what was said about, you know, taking the steps in the order that you want, take what you want, leave the rest. Um, but when I began to do, you know, my downfall didn't come because of my weight anymore. My downfall came because of my emotional breakdown. And when I began to do these steps in the order in which they were written and took the direction and listened to what my fellows were telling me, um, it began to work. And I mean, I felt the change in the third step and I've never looked back and I am so grateful, but you know, there is a God personal to me. And I had to, I had to just accept other people's way of, of um, getting a God personal to them and learning from other people how they did it. But um, I have really felt the, the belief from the obsession. And God has done for me like such amazing things in such a short period of time. Um, and I am very blessed I, I trust God now. I listen, you know, um, pause is a big thing in my program. I never knew how to pause and to, and to listen, you know, to what God wants me to do. And I know that uh, God wants me to be recovered so that I can share with other people, you know, all the downfalls that I had in all the years up and down and, and suffering emotionally more than anything. You know, I really do believe that nothing I've experienced is for waste because all the experiences I've had, as I share with different people that I talk to, you know, there are so many people that can relate and that I can help and give hope. And, you know, God works through us. And I'm, I'm just very blessed to have been led back to the rooms um, and back to the big book. And, um, I'm very grateful for your service today and for everybody on the line. And I'm looking forward to September when I can meet you all. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Roz. Okay. Um, if everyone could please stay muted, unless you're Sarah W. And then followed by Noel R. Then Janice M. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. It's good to hear you on the line. Sarah W., very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I became irritated in my mind snapshot against any such theory, against such a theory. And I think the thing that comes up with me is 
that we are very, um, you know, I and other people that are addicts or compulsive overeaters are very um, rebellious um, people. You know, we don't want to follow rules. Uh, we like to make our own. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. Um, and change is hard. You know, change is hard. Uh, and I think the idea that strikes me is, you know, I was an adopted child, and I always felt like I was kind of discarded. Uh, how could how could my mother have given me up? Um, and then I worked in labor and delivery, and I saw it happen, and I saw that it, it's not such a simple process. And the thought that comes to me is that, you know, like on page 124 is one of my very favorite pages in the book where it says, cling to the thought that in God's hands the dark past is the greatest possession you have, the key to life and happiness for others, with it you can avert death and misery for them. You know, all the things that I've been through in my life, you know, my, my pain about um, feeling abandoned, my... Um, my behaviors as a rebellious teenager where I got into a lot of trouble and really hurt myself in many ways, uh, my compulsive overeating throughout, and other addictions that I've uh, practiced, all those things have helped me become a better person. And I, and I wanted to, and also help others, of course. But the thing that I wanted to say was I remember seeing um, Fred Rogers, you know, Mr. Rogers, um, speaking in an interview once, and he was talking about how he was so uh, hurt and sad about what was going on um, in the 30s, um, you know, with the war and uh, Nazi Germany and all that. And he said to his mother, Mom, how could this be happening? And she said, but Fred, look at all the people helping. And the thing that comes to mind is we don't know the big picture. We don't know. And I have to say, you know, I've gotten so many calls lately from people that are suffering, that are trying so hard to come out of the food. And I think we would do ourselves a big service by trying to help those people get out of the food. Yes, they have to have willingness, but most of those people have a huge amount of willingness. And yet, why can't they? We're no better than them. Uh, and I don't know the answer, but, you know, I think reaching out to people and letting them know it can happen for them. And that second part of the second step is the last thing I'll say. You know, do I believe that I can be restored to sanity from a higher power from this program? That's what I really have to believe. I have to have that hope. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Thank you so much, Sarah W. Noelle R., you're up, and then Janice M. Hi, this is Noelle R. Can I be heard? Yes. Perfect. Um, this is Noelle R. out of Chicago, and I am a newly recovered compulsive overeater. I am so unbelievably grateful for this line and the service that A Vision for You provides. Um, through these phone calls and these meetings and the podcast that you guys do, I have had a complete new understanding of the big book. It's helped me to understand so many things that were roadblocks for me in the past. And it's completely changed my life. So I'm very, very grateful. And the one quick thing that I wanted to say about this share today um, is that I listened to a special edition podcast from Rena, July 5th of 2015. And it completely changed my conception of a higher power. It's a workshop that she does over the podcast. You pause when you're listening. You write. And for me, I struggled. I struggled with the concept of a higher power. It was my very, very first roadblock to entering this program years ago when I first came in 
and I heard people talking about God in the rooms, and I turned around and I left. And so step two was the hardest step for me to take. And through listening to that podcast, I had, I had a little conception, and it just exploded after listening to that and getting some experience and strength and hope from another recovered fellow who could share um, a different way to see things and a different way to conceptualize a higher power. So I just wanted to share that today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And now, um, Janice M., you have three minutes. You're our last share for the day. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Um, Janice, very grateful, um, recovered compulsive overeater. I'm going to go in a little different direction with this. This is now we we have to I have to remember when I'm reading Bill's story at this stage, it's in between him being with step one and step two. So he's in a little struggle, you know, uh, trying to listen to Ebby about this God thing. Now, you know, it took me many, many, many meetings. um, And this step two is really very simple. It's not telling me uh, to believe in a God because and it's telling, even if it, if it, if it was, I mean, I did believe in a God, but you see, I, I said I surrendered, but I was still using my own power. Now, if we read the step, it says, came to believe in a power. Doesn't say anything about God. It says a power. Well, right here and then, if I'm still not powerless, I don't have to go on. It's not telling me to, to, at this stage of the game, at this stage of the process of recovery, that I have to believe it today, now, now. Came to means in the future. It means, okay, I'm going to come to believe. See, he's writing this in hindsight. This is what he's telling us. He came to believe. How did he come to believe? Well, if you know the story, and we know the program and my experience, I came to believe in a power different than whatever I had conceived, any prejudices I had. I had to open my mind at this stage, not close my mind, so that I can say, oh, no, it doesn't work, and all these excuses and alibis, oh, what if this power did this and did that? He's really not a good power. Um, I had to be willing to open my mind, and I found the power when I did the steps. So I'm not in the steps yet. I'm, I'm only at step two, which is I have to conclude in my mind that I lack power and I have a need for power. doesn't say anything about this is how you have to believe in this power. This power's name is such and such or, or anything else. It's very, very simple. <laughs> it really is. Just be willing. Like it said, hope. Just be willing that this power is going to come to us. We have to be patient. We have to be tolerant. We have to be open-minded. I had to be because I lived right across the street from a church. In a, and, you know, we had a bakery, and I would see drunks come over, and I was kind of skeptical. But as soon as this step only tells me, hold your horses, hold on, hold on to the buggy, you will, you will come to believe in a power if you do exactly what it tells us to do, to find that power that's going to relieve me of this illness. And with that, I pass. Thanks. 
Thank you so much, Janice M. And I apologize to Sue G and Craig F that you were not able to share if you would be uh, wanting to stay till after the announcements for the second hour. Okay, so thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. Um, the share ID for Tuesday, today, February 28th, this meeting is 9666. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Rachel W. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Rachel W. Thank you for your service and an amazing meeting. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.